Obviously, the Pusik is talking about poor people and, and, and charity, but charity begins at home. So let's see if we can learn something over here from this parasha that pertains to all kinds of relationships. So I saw a verse in the Machza Avroa. Machza Avroa is the Pichu Cheruv. So he says in the Pusik, Nusen Titen Loi Vodayari Lavavcho Besit Chaloi. The Pusik is, is bringing a double illusion. Nusen Titen Loi, you should give twice. Vodayari Lavavcho, it shouldn't bother you, Besit Chaloi, when you're giving. So he says something interesting. He says, the Torah, we know that we all have a, a Chiyav of Pashtas, a Chiyav. It's not really a Chiyav, but anyway, uh, the Chiyav of my Sixofim. We give up Mass, we give a tenth of our income to Tzedokah. So this will talk about how Frusha's Masa, you're supposed to set aside Masa. What's the idea of setting aside Masa? So he explains that when you first set aside the money, before a poor person comes to you, then when he comes and asks you for money, it's much easier to give it. Because you already set it aside, you already designated this money, I'm not going to use it, it's not for me. As opposed to if somebody comes asking you for Tzedukah when you weren't ready for it, and it seems like it's your money, even though you know you're supposed to be giving a tenth of whatever you own, or whatever you're earning, for Tzedukah it's harder to give it. When you first set it aside, it's just that much easier. It says, Give twice, once when you designate the money, and once when you actually give it. And when you do it that way, it's not going to be so hard for you to give the money. Hashem is actually going to repay you both for the nusan and for the titan. Both for setting aside the money and for giving it. So obviously when it comes to Tzedukah, that's already a very big lesson and it definitely makes it easier to give, to give money that you're already designated to give. But I think the same is true with anything you want to give someone or anything somebody wants from you, I should say. Somebody wants your time, somebody wants your listening ear, somebody wants your attention, somebody wants your good word, whatever it may be. If you know in advance when you're going to give it to that person, whether it's a designated time that you have to set aside quality time, or it's a, something that's on your mind that you have to, you're going to say something today, or whatever it is that you make up in advance to do, makes it that much easier. It makes it that much easier because now nobody's intruding on, on your time and your space and, and, and things that you weren't ready to give, first of all. Second of all, if you let someone know when you plan on giving them something, let's say it's a certain amount of time or attention, and you let them know in advance, they're not going to be worried about it. If you tell a poor person, you know, I set aside money for you, don't worry, they'll feel much better. And maybe they'll bug you less, because they know there's something there for them. And the same thing is true, we see with children, we see with adults, with everyone. People are, all, people are asking for attention, right? People are bugging for more and more attention. Why is that? Because they don't know if anything is going to come. So if they don't ask for it, maybe it won't come. Or whatever they, they barely get their hands on, they feel like that's what they're getting, because they're, they're nudging you. If you tell someone in advance, you know, um, five o'clock today, we'll have time together, I can't wait... And I have a half hour. I only have a half hour then. But I can't wait to give it to you. That person is calmer knowing it's coming. You're calmer knowing that you already designated it so nobody's taking away from your schedule. And then a half hour could be enough. As opposed to if somebody has to keep on asking you for time and you keep on feeling uh, reluctant to give it. And then after a half hour, you're already pulling away and that person didn't have enough because, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like you really gave me attention. I just stole some of your time. It just makes everything more complicated. So I think this idea of nuisance and could definitely be applied to relationships We've spoken the past about um, designating time and having a schedule for intimacy, and that's a very sensitive topic where I see it all the time, where not knowing in advance and, and not feeling like it's being taken care of definitely makes people feel uneasy. But I think it's about everything. All kind of quality time and any kind of attention that people need from each other um, could become easier with this concept. So I think that would be a nice uh, introduction um, to this question that I want to address this week. Hi, I was listening to your... Tutorialanytime.com. The messages you give are clear, and I take out a lot from it. Thank you. Okay.
Thank you. I heard an older Shia, a Q&A, somebody asked that her husband cannot take her technical conversations. You stated there that in that case the husband should maybe start asking more questions, like if she's cooking supper, he should be more interested in asking from where she got the recipe or if she ever made it before for anyone else. I don't know if my husband listens to your shiurim, but I think not. In my case, I'm a very strong opinionated person, and my husband is more the insecure one. I like technical talk, and I have no problem when it's quiet. I don't think it's a problem. But my husband is very insecure when it's quiet, and if it ever is quiet, he starts asking questions just such as the ones you mentioned. For me, once he starts asking these questions, it's very uncomfortable. I get nervous, and instead of connection happening via the talk, it just disconnects when silly talk is taking place. My question is, could it be that for one, this is a solution, and for another, it ruins the connection? What could really be done from my side to be more tolerant to my husband's chatting, even though I find it silly or unimportant most of the times? Thank you so much. Okay, so it's a good question. My husband has this style of conversation that I really can't stand, and uh, I feel like it just makes me disconnect from him, and I get very uncomfortable with it. But he doesn't like the quiet. Anyway, what do we do? So I'll tell you this much. I mean, from the question alone, you see that, yeah, obviously, there must be different styles and preferences and opinions about this, different tastes, right? If the question is, is it normal? Yeah, it's normal. You can be sure that any question that I ever mention online or in a public forum is the reason why I'm mentioning it in, in public and not just answering the questioner, which obviously would be harder and more time-consuming, but the reason why I'm mentioning it in public is because there are a lot of people that can benefit from hearing this question addressed. Rarely, rarely would I get a question that's so unique and so individual and so circumstantial that I feel like there's no point in saying it in public because nobody, nobody's dealing with that. Recently, somebody challenged me about why I'm talking about a certain topic in public. I guess that person was assuming that it's not relevant to anyone other than the person asking the question. And I can tell you from dealing with people and talking to people daily that anything, I, anything I'm discussing is obviously uh, very relevant to many people. And if it's not exactly relevant to many people, it's, it can be applied to, to things that are relevant to many people. So the fact that somebody's asking this question goes to show that, yeah, it's possible. It's very possible if for someone um, such kind of questions and some, such kind of conversations are helpful and beneficial and, and, make, and cause connection. For other people, it's, it's just great on the nerves. Definitely possible. As a matter of fact, the idea that different people communicate differently and different people appreciate different things is not only to be expected you know, by default that it happens sometimes. It's actually like a thriller. It's actually the way it should be. And we all have different, different styles and it's fine. So, yeah, one time I would suggest to somebody to try this, and someone, sometimes, obviously, that wouldn't be a, a good idea. And that's all fine. And not only is it fine, not only is it to be expected, like I said, but going into a relationship, going into a marriage, or being in a marriage, and thinking or hoping even that we'll always like the same thing, the, the type, same kind of communication, the same kind of um, whatever it may be that we enjoy together, uh, expecting or hoping that it's all going to be the same is, is totally unrealistic. It's not realistic, and it's not the way relationships are supposed to be. It's two individuals that are interconnecting. It means that they're both being somewhat flexible and understanding the other person, understanding that it's not all about me. Right? That's, that's the first thing about relationships. So that's, that's first of all. Now, this, this is the idea that we spoke about many times, about the love languages. There's a book that um, suggests that there are five different ways of expressing and accepting and appreciating uh, messages of love, showing someone that you love them or feeling loved. And different people communicate about that in different ways and appreciate it being said different ways. And whenever I talk about this, I, I, always, I always say the same idea. It's very easy to look at such a book and say, now I know why I'm not happy. I like when love is expressed uh, with quality time, not, not with acts of service or with gifts, and my spouse has a different language and we're not communicating. It's very easy to come up with the understanding of a problem. But if it doesn't bring you a solution, you're not getting anywhere. Now, some people would say the solution is, well, take the book and figure me out and cater to my needs. 
Well, that's a very selfish solution. If it works, that's great. But that's not the idea. The idea of understanding that we're all different is the idea that maybe somebody is really trying to show me that they love me. And I'm not getting it because I don't relate to that, to that uh, way of communicating it. But maybe it's really there. In other words, maybe I should start adapting to someone else's language. Now, the point is not that you have to always suffer and take what someone else is giving you. The point is to understand that somebody could be meaning so much more and you're not hearing it and you're not accepting it because it's not the way you like it, but maybe you should. Maybe that's that kind of flexibility of adapting. And that's, that's, that's so important. So many times people just get stuck on understanding problems and they feel so good. Now I got it. I know what the problem is. My spouse has a personality disorder. Wow. Where did that get you? Did it help you? So you should always be looking for solutions and solutions should always be about you. Okay, one line over here said in the letter, what, what could really be done from my side to be more tolerant? That's excellent. That's the way a person should address any relationship problem. So the fact that you don't like something, what could you do about it? Now, let me say this. Sometimes you could tell someone what you don't like. Sometimes somebody's willing, able to hear. You know, some, sometimes, sometimes somebody wants to hear what you like and what you don't like. And if you don't say it, that's part of the problem. So sometimes the solution on your end would be to communicate your needs properly. And some people don't know how to do that. Some people don't know how to be vulnerable. Sometimes people don't know how to be open about it. And then they're just being resentful that they're not getting it. You know? so, so if you feel that your husband is capable, right? he's capable and he wants to make you happy, and he doesn't know how, and he's trying to figure it out, instead of being resentful, he's not doing it right, maybe communicate with him. So that's first of all. Now, if you feel he's not able to, or he's not willing to, or for whatever reason he's not interested in what you, have to, in, in what you want to hear, then the first thing I would say is that start understanding that maybe what he's offering is also something. But it starts with this. See, communication is not optional. And this is where people make uh, very often a mistake, unfortunately, subconsciously. I spoke about this recently about spending time together, right? Husband and wife want to spend time together. Schedules are different. It's hard to spend time together. You have to remember that not spending time together is not an option. You know, well, I go to sleep early, she goes to sleep late, and I get a brilliant, she goes to and that's why we don't have time together. Okay, so that's, what, that's the way it is. Now. No, that's not an option. When you start with the subtotal of we need to spend time together, how do we make it work? Then we'll try to figure out what we can do about the schedule and make it work. But it has to be something that you see as crucial, as important, as mandatory, and you'll make it happen. There are a lot of ways to make things happen. But it starts off by understanding that it has to happen. Because something that doesn't have to happen and only happens when it's able or easy or whatever, you know, so it might not happen. Same thing is with communication. Communication is important. You don't like the content. You don't like the style. It grates on your nerves. I understand. But it's still important to communicate. It's sad when I talk to people, and, and unfortunately, I hear this from people. Oh, it's, it's, it's weeks since we had a normal conversation, or uh, my wife hasn't been talking to me for I don't know how long, or we don't really communicate, we just, we just text. It's not the way it should be. It's a problem. I hate saying this, but it's better to fight with someone than to ignore them, than to not have any communication at all. And communication is important. So the first thing you have to know is communication has to happen. We need to talk. Not talking because I don't like what the person's saying, and I don't mind silence. That's not a relationship. It's not about you. It's not all about you. So if you don't like the way someone talks, and for whatever reason it can't be changed, either because the person is not capable of changing or because they don't want to change, the other option is not to stay quiet. Just remember that. Communication is very important. Now, I'm not saying that this questioner is, is staying quiet and not communicating at all. I'm just, I'm just making sure everyone remembers that communication is very important. So, yeah, it's easy to say I don't like it, um, but it's more important to say what could I do about it. So the first two things I said, one thing you could do is you could tell someone what you like and see if they're willing to take care of that and talk something either more meaningful or, or deep or intelligent or whatever it may be that you like to hear. And if that can't happen, then, then it's important to communicate uh, on a different level. Um, you know, so that could, that could definitely uh, resolve a thing or two. Now, it's important to remember also that a lot of times 
people talk about different levels of things without realizing that we want to stay far away from being black and white. The splitting perception that people have sometimes uh, definitely is very challenging to relationships in general. Uh, for just for example, there's, there's very beautiful and there's very ugly. And there's a lot of things in between. And sometimes people describe something as so beautiful or so ugly and so despicable without realizing that it's not really that ugly. You have to have that, that sense of that flexibility of understanding that it's, it's not an extreme. So there's definitely intellectual and there's definitely very silly and there's a lot of things in between. And if you get stuck on a certain preference, a certain style, something that you can relate to, something like, like I said, something that's meaningful and deep and intellectual and, and important to discuss, right? And that's what you like. It doesn't mean that everything else is silly. The word silly... The word silly is, is, is my husband's chatting that I find silly or unimportant most of the time. There's something about that that, you know, is, is worth thinking about. Again, I don't know what this question is, and I don't mean to challenge anyone personally. But looking at what somebody is saying as silly because it doesn't pertain to your, you know, it doesn't cater to your uh, uh, taste or preference, there's, there's something wrong with that. If you, don't mind, if you don't mind my saying. When a husband's talking on a first grade level, like what little kids discuss, and it's embarrassing, the right thing to do might still be to communicate with him on his level, if you can't do any better than that. You know, but then I understand why, you know, that, that's very silly. I mean, that's something you, to, you, know, you have to think about what you want to do about that. But if somebody is talking in a way that many people would appreciate or would be totally fine with, and you're not, then it's okay to remember that, you're not okay, that you don't appreciate it and see what you do about it. You, know, you can be honest about that. And, you know, what do I do now? Uh, maybe I could have more meaningful conversations with someone else at a different time and things like that. Maybe I could try to help my husband understand me better. But to call it silly and unimportant because it's not fitting into your box, I don't know, I think it's something to think about. Somebody was complaining to me about his wife recently. So he tells me that he has a problem. His wife is, is very literal. Very literal. She takes everything so literally, he, he can't handle it. I said, okay. I mean, I understand. It's, it can be great on yours when somebody's very literal, right? Because, you know, like I said, not everything's black and white. So, so if somebody's getting stuck on something like mamish, everything I say, she takes so literal. So give me an example. So I'll give you an example. Um, she asked me to, to she, she cooked the meat, she cooked meat, and she asked me to put it in the fridge after it was cooked, because leaving it out is not good. In the meantime, I came home, and she had already gone to bed very early, she wasn't feeling so well, I left it out till the morning, okay? So she woke up, it was like six hours later, and the meat was out on the, on the, on the table. So she asks me um, if I think it's still good or we should throw it out. I said, why? I said, because cause the health department or whatever guidelines she was quoting said that after two hours of sitting outside, it, should be th- it, you know, it, it, could, it could be a problem. She takes things very literally. Now, first of all, she didn't throw it out. Okay? She didn't tell you to throw it out. She asked you if she should throw it out. And it wasn't after two hours, it was after six hours. So, so what, which part of that is literal? The fact that to you everything is a joke and two hours means nothing... And maybe 15 hours later you would still eat the meat, which is fine. I have no problem with people who do that. I don't think anyone's dropping dead from it. But, but to say that somebody's literal because when they heard something, a, a two-hour guideline, and, and by six hours they were already pretty concerned, that's not called literal. So even though you, I understand that you have a different idea about it, which is fine. People have different ideas. There are people that would throw out the meat after an hour and a half because you know, maybe two hours is really just the limit, but maybe before two hours is a problem. You know, that, that, that could be a little paranoid. And sometimes people will say that 15 hours is fine, but there's something in between. So that's important to understand. So when somebody says that my, what my husband is saying, I, I see as silly as, and, and unimportant. Again, I don't mean to catch you on your words, and it was fine to express it in a question, but it's something to think about. It might not be silly just because it's not as intellectual as it's something you'd appreciate. So that's, that's also very uh, important. I want to also mention another thing over here, and that is something that could actually come from a lack of communication. Okay. Instead of waiting for someone to communicate with you in a way that you like, why don't you try to communicate with them in a way that you like, without even telling them what you like? 
don't disregard someone and don't and don't look the other way. And I'll, I'll pick up on one word and again. I don't mean to nitpick, and I can be totally off. I'm just I'm just mentioning it so people uh, learn from it and maybe take the example as something that could you can teach you a lesson. Um, I don't know if my husband listens to your shiurim, but I think not. Why don't you know? Now I'm not an advocate of knowing what everyone's doing at all times and everything open and nobody's allowed to hide anything and who do you talk to what do you say I, I, I spoke about this in the past it's fine if somebody feels comfortable making a phone call and this pastor is not listening I think that's fine but if your husband's listening to Shurim or he's involved in something or he's learning something or whatever why don't you know I think it would be good you know? I think it's nice when a husband or a wife knows what the other one likes to read or to hear or where they get their ideas from and things like that so if somebody wants to know why here's something again it, it's okay if somebody does something the other one doesn't know about it but it's just, it's just an example. You're living two different lives. Why aren't you communicating? See, he's talking to you about recipes because he doesn't know what to talk to you about. Maybe talk to him more. Maybe ask him what he thinks about Rabbi Gruen's shir or if he ever heard it in the past. You know, communicate. Communication is very important. So that's just to sum it up up until here. There are definitely different styles of communication, which is fine. Adapting to someone else's is definitely uh, important. Even have someone adapt to yours, but at least communicate about it. That, that's also wonderful. Not communicating is not an option. And seeing what someone does or someone's different difference of style as silly and, and unimportant, you know, I, I think there's something to think about over there. Um, now, another thing that you want to just make sure, and that's all in, interconnected over here, you want to make sure your husband's not feeling challenged. Okay? That, that sometimes people don't realize, and again, nothing personal. People don't realize sometimes what rejection means. When somebody tries to offer connection and you reject them, people don't realize what that means sometimes. And you see it with children sometimes. For example, uh, a father and mother comes home and a kid comes running over, I want to tell you something, I want to show you something. So sweet, so beautiful, right? But you're on the phone. You walked into, you walked into the house, you're still on the phone. Or you have to arrange something quickly, you have to make a phone call, or whatever, you're busy. To tell a child, not now, not now, I don't have quite, please get away. Nobody means anything bad and parents are overwhelmed. Right? And, and kids don't understand that. But not now, go away, is rejection. And people don't like it. The better way to say something like that would be, I want to see what you have to show me. I want to hear what you have to say. Right now I'm a little busy, but in a few minutes I'm going to call you over, you're going to see, because I want to hear it. That's not rejection. Now somebody knows that you really do want to connect and you are interested in them and you're giving them attention, but right now not, which is, that's fine. It's how you say it. Now if you can do it even before a child comes over to you and tell them, you know, I want to hear about your day, give me a few minutes, or give me an hour, or give me two hours till the other kids are sleeping, that's even better. Because now you are the one that expressed interest and you'll see that kid will be so much happier and sometimes they won't even need the attention anymore, which you should still give them. And that's similar to the idea we, we started off with. Nus and Titan, you should give someone the good feeling that you want to give them so that they are okay with whatever you're going to give them and it will be easier for you to give them on your terms. So in this case as well, if you don't like when your husband mm, talks silly talk, okay, when you're washing the dishes, because you need space and time to think, or when you're listening to something, whatever it may be, Instead of telling him not now or just shutting him out or giving him a cold shoulder and he has no idea what you want from him, which could be very hurtful, if you tell him, I like when we talk at night. I like when we take a walk. I like when we sit by the table. And, and you know, other times I like to have my space. That's fine. Now he's not feeling rejected. But if somebody tries connecting with you and you're giving him that cold shoulder, yeah, no, those one-word answers, and he doesn't feel good about them, that, that, that's, that's rejection. So by designating time to talk, you can resolve you know, his feelings of... of, of his, his uncomfortable feelings with the silence you're looking at him like why can't he handle when it's quiet I'm okay with that well maybe he, he's not okay with it because he doesn't know if it's ever going to end maybe he's misinterpreting the silence because maybe Hitaka thinks you're not interested in him maybe you aren't but the point is that you shouldn't, you shouldn't give him that feeling and another thing in general when you give a husband a feeling that you think highly of him and you are interested in him and you can't wait till you have time to talk with him 
then he probably won't be as intimidated by that awkward silence that he's misinterpreting. Okay, so this is all just ideas. Now, I also want to say another thing, and, and you can be creative sometimes. And it's also an idea of splitting perception. Sometimes people look at things like good or bad. We either communicate on his level or my level. I don't like his, he can relate to mine, and we're doomed. You have to be a little more creative, a little more flexible. Sometimes you can come up with things that you'll both relate to, whether it's about the children, not, not just technical, but just about the children, discussing ideas that pertain to the kids that you both understand, um, discussing different things that you both like to, to discuss. Sometimes you could write a letter. I'm not talking about shooting a one-line text. Sometimes writing down feelings are, makes it easier for someone to express them and someone else to take them. There are different ways. Be creative. Don't let the, 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 the difference of preference, of communication style, get in the way and communicate less. And don't make this cause resentment. And then don't feel bad about the fact that he's resentful or feeling uncomfortable about it. You know, this is, these are very important things. And I want to get a drop more general. And that's in the relationship issue over here. Okay? And being that it's a wife, you know, asking the question, I'm just saying it this way. But it goes both ways, obviously. I mean, this, this, this woman is describing herself as more opinionated and her husband as more insecure. Now, I'm not sure if that's the opposite at all. I don't know, I'm not sure why being opinionated uh, comes from security or confidence. I think sometimes on the contrary. When people are insecure, they get very defensive about their opinions and they get very stuck to it. Now, again, I don't mean anything personal here, and I don't know who this is, but to see yourself, I'm opinionated, my husband's the insecure one, I, I don't know, I, something about that um, just seems a little interesting, um, if I may say. But you, what you do want to make sure in any case is that your husband's not feeling intimidated by your security. Sometimes people have that overconfidence that's very intimidating. I know what I want, I know what I need, I'm not interested in you, I don't have time, I, I already made up my mind, why are, you, why are you getting on my nerves? That's very intimidating. It doesn't feel good to be near someone who's so opinionated. Now, again, the, the, it's not the opinions. You're allowed to have strong opinions. But when you're very stuck to them, very inflexible about them, and very uninterested in what someone else has to say, that's very intimidating. Now, I know it's not easy to change if that's how you are. And I don't, again, I don't mean anyone. But if that's how you are and somebody's feeling intimidated by your strength and your confidence and you're very, very um, not interested in hearing what someone else has to say, very seldom do you really ask him his opinion. Very seldom do you express interest in what he has to share. There's something about that, that that's, that's not good for a relationship. Especially when it's a husband who you should be respecting. So, you know, talking about a husband and seeing him as, again, I, I don't want anyone to be intimidated by what I'm saying now and then resist writing into me a question where they describe how they feel. You can be open about your feelings. I'm just mentioning that if you see a spouse, especially a husband, as being silly and unimportant and insecure... You know, looking, looking down at somebody you should be respecting, there's something wrong with it. Now, I know it's very cliche to say, and very easy to say, you should respect everyone, see the good in everyone, look up to everyone. Um, you come along there, it's culty. You know, it, it, it's beautiful, and that's how we should do, and we should strive for these things, and we should try to see the good in everyone. And it's not easy. It's not easy, especially if you're a critical person, especially if you're, opinion, you know, you're opinionated. But, but when it comes to a spouse, and it comes to a husband, you, you want to see what he does as important. You see, people sometimes get stuck on, you know, whether it's a politician that they like to follow and they believe in, or it's a havdul, a rebbe, a ruv, a gudul bisro, someone that they respect. All of a sudden, whatever that person does is good. And every mistake that person did was was really a, was really a premeditated, uh, brilliant move, because because that.